a dear friend, a voice into my life, my wife's life, our staff, our church, Christ Fellowship, and the North Georgia Revival. I believe that the Lord connects kingdom people to be able to navigate through seasons and lifetimes. God sent us Prophet Jeremiah Johnson. He preaches here more than any other individual at the North Georgia Revival other than Bishop Lance Johnson. He has a word tonight for us. I want you to be receptive of that, can you? So would you help me welcome Prophet Jeremiah Johnson to the platform tonight? Okay, so make sure you read that right. That's going to be here. I said that's going to be here. So the Ultra Global wants to thank Pastor Todd and Karen for opening up the building here. There's a QR code. We just recently had our first one. This month had over a thousand people registered. We're expecting to fill it up. You're gonna get your first chance to make sure you've got a seat. So if you just wanna scan that QR code, we wanna make sure that the house here can be here really excited about that gathering. And then lastly, I have a new book that just came out called Prophetic Pioneering. Lana Vosser wrote the foreword. Kevin Wallace wrote the special introduction. I want to encourage you to stop by our table. Our team drove over from Charlotte today. It's always so good to be with you, and uh, they would love to greet you. All right, who's ready for the word? I've preached here many times over the last couple of years, and I've never had a burden like I have tonight. 
I literally felt like I was gonna throw up driving here. We have entered into an unprecedented, we've entered into an unprecedented time in the earth, a time of revival, a time of awakening where God is sowing seeds. I'm so grateful for this house, grateful for Asbury. Jesse Green is in Pasadena, California. Something's broken out there. College, university, campuses. What a time to be alive. It's an extraordinary time to have breath in our lungs. I know we wanna peer into the days of the Bible, but I promise you, the apostles long to peer into these days. As revival continues to be seeded in this nation and around the globe, we're going to see the increase of religious persecution like never before. The burden that I'm carrying tonight is regarding helping us to navigate through religious persecution, which is maybe the greatest key to sustaining revival. There is a word in here for every person tonight because God wants to help you process through the religious persecution you've come through. And then there are many of us that God is preparing for the religious persecution you're about to go through. The Lord said to me, I've come to give you the gift of resiliency. I believe God is giving a gift to the end time church in these days called resiliency. Resiliency is the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. It is also the ability to spring back into shape after a period of weariness and fatigue. I've come to help you navigate through the religious persecution that has come and will come as you steward revival in your homes, marriages, and families. I believe that God wants to show us tonight in his word how religious persecution works and specifically how we respond to it. How we respond to religious persecution is directly tied to our ability to steward revival. How we respond to religious persecution from our spouses, our friends, our families, other churches, other ministries, how we choose to respond to the persecution is directly tied into stewarding revival. Satan has no new tricks. They're only new if we are not rooted and grounded in the word of God. There is a gift called resiliency that God gave the first century church 
that allowed them to navigate religious persecution that then in turn helped them to steward revival. In the same like manner, I'm prophesying to you that there is a fresh gift of resiliency that he is releasing in the 21st century church so that as religious persecution comes knocking on the doors of our hearts, that we won't wither and we won't back down from revival, but rather we will bounce back and we will stand our guard, our ground, and we will understand how to respond to it. I'm just going to throw this out there and we're going to pray. Nowhere in the Bible is there freedom from religious persecution. I'm not going to pray tonight to break religious persecution off you. So freedom from religious persecution. However, there is insight and there is wisdom and there is revelation concerning how to navigate through it. This is a meaty message. This is a weighty word. This is a, underneath a spirit of sobriety that God is wanting many of you to process through the religious persecution you've gone through just to get here. And then God is also preparing many of us for the religious persecution that we're going to see increase in the days ahead. If you have your Bible, would you turn to Acts chapter 2 and let's pray. Father, thank you that no one is here by mistake or coincidence. God, we thank you that you're releasing the gift of resiliency to the end time church. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room that has been wounded by the church, that has been hurt by the religious spirit. God, I pray today that their hearts would be healed, that you would strengthen them and that you would encourage them. And God, I also thank you for a generation that you're sowing seeds of revival into. God, we thank you for North Georgia. We thank you for Asbury. We thank you for historic revival that you're pouring out around the globe. And God, I pray that Satan would not steal the seed from the soil of our hearts. And Lord, as he comes through religious persecution, I pray that you would use this message to help us guard our hearts, to tend our gardens, and to walk with integrity and favor. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 2. We know that the apostles and many gathered in the upper room, around 120 of them, and they waited for the promise of the Father. They waited for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we know that tongues like fire rested upon them. And there was a move of God that he sent to the first century church in Acts chapter 2. I'm not going to read it just for the sake of time. But you have a significant move of God in Acts chapter 3 
and knocking at the door, you have a little bit of religious persecution. Now, we know that back then, early on, religious persecution only came in the, the realm of a little mocking and a little laughing. So they hear men speaking in tongues and because they're gathered in Jerusalem, Peter stands up and says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's three o'clock. It says that they laughed and they mocked them a little bit, but Peter directly appeals to the word of God. He says, this is Joel 2. He says, this is that. He says that the experience and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is actually a biblical fulfillment of prophecy. A little mocking, a little laughing, Acts chapter 2. We move into verses 42 through 47, and you see a wineskin begin to form in the first century church, where they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, and to fellowship. They begin to sell their possessions. God is beginning to move in the first century church, and so far, the only real opposition they faced concerning religious persecution is a little laughing and a little mocking. Well, fast forward then to Acts chapter 3. What happens after the move of God and a little bit of laughing and mocking? Peter and John heal a crippled beggar at the temple gate called Beautiful. It is an incredible miracle. We know that the man was at least 40 years old. An outstanding miracle. And what we're going to see is a little joking and a little laughing in Acts 2 begins to increase. Religious persecution begins to intensify. In fact, what I'm going to tell you is the deeper you get into revival, the more intense religious persecution is going to get. And the heart of God for many of you tonight is you need to be told the truth. That not everybody's excited that you're going to get in the water. Not everybody's excited that you speak in tongues. Your mom that you try to call and explain what God is doing, there's a reason why she doesn't like you. There's a reason why churches call this church a cult. There's a reason why the spirit of religion seeks to target leaders and prophets and teachers to try to bring confusion. But I'm here tonight to expose the works of the devil. I'm here tonight to tell you the truth, to prepare you for what's ahead. And I'm here tonight for many of you that have been wounded and hurt by persecution. Your heart is failing you. And like Peter in prison, you're sleeping the sleep of death. God is coming to tap you on the shoulder tonight and say, wake up. I still have work for you to do. 
I'm sending you out as lions among wolves. I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. Why? The lion is padding by our side. So let's look. We're just going to do a little Bible study, okay? I promise. Just a little Bible study. Acts chapter 4. Again, we're revealing the strategy. So they've healed a crippled beggar, chapter 4, and they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the guard, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of them was about 5,000. Again, watch the progression of religious persecution. In Acts 2, there's a move of God, and to start out, there's a little mocking and a little laughter. I dare say that many of us, when you first took that step into revival, when you first said, you know what, I'm going to can American Christianity, three songs and a nice message. I don't want to do entertainment drive-through anymore. You started talking about it. You started posting online. It probably got a couple giggles. It probably got a couple of laughs. It might have even got a couple of, oh, good for you, honey. You know, keep chasing after Jesus. But as you walk down the path of revival and you go deeper in the Lord, when they heal a crippled beggar, there's no longer just a little laughing and mocking. Now we're going to arrest you. And what the Spirit of God wants to say to many of us tonight is this. Religious persecution seeks to arrest you. In other words, it wants to restrain you, subdue you, question and confuse, threaten and hinder forward progress of the Holy Spirit in your life. I can't tell you how many times I've witnessed this, where someone has a powerful encounter with God and they're not ready to wake up the next day to someone that's not ready to bless what God did. They're actually ready to attack. They're ready to question. They've already pulled everything up online. They've already calculated why it's fake and why it won't work. And I just want to give you freedom maybe tonight to get delivered from religious criticism. Listen, they might have some story about someone else faking it, but guess what? I'm not faking it. They, they might have a story about why it's not real for someone they met, but let me tell you, the work of God in my life is real. Seeks to arrest you, to restrain you, to subdue you. It's very interesting, again, in Acts 4, we're looking at a progression. They arrest them and put them on trial And they tell them basically, stop. Stop talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Stop talking about resurrection power. 
The man there is standing right before them. But look at verse 13. But they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that these men were uneducated. They were untrained men. They had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say. When shown the fruit and proof of the Holy Spirit's work, religious persecution will either subside, they had nothing to say. Sometimes you're going to try to explain what God is doing in your life, your church, your marriage, and sometimes the fruit of it will silence your critics. It will silence religious persecution. Acts 4, they really, they couldn't argue with that. But there are other times in our lives where the fruit and the manifestation of what God is doing isn't actually going to silence people, it's going to enrage them. So when told to be quiet in Acts 4, Peter and John answered, whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. For the man was more than 40 years old. Verse 24, verse 23, And when they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them, Please hear me. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, and they quoted the Bible. In the same way, in Acts 2, when there's a little mocking and there's a laughing, Peter stands up and says, this is the Bible. Acts 4, now it's just not mocking and now it's not laughing. We're going to arrest you. We're going to subdue you. We're going to threaten you. We're going to tell you, stop talking about the miracle-working power of God. Just let me keep being a victim of my circumstance and disease. Just stop talking about the more of God. You're irritating my demons. I'm good and neutral. I'm good in the American dream. We're just checking off boxes and going to church and, you know, we'll get to heaven when we die. Stop going after the heaven on earth stuff. Stop saying your kingdom come, your will be done, because I'm just good hanging out. I'm good. And they appeal to the word of God once again. How do we rightly respond to religious persecution? Number one, we appeal to the written word of God. I'm going to tell you on account of the full counsel of word of God, cessationism isn't in there. Where's the gift? It's in here. Why are we so ashamed 
Why are we so afraid when people come and attack us just to say, hey, brother, I don't know if you've read the Gospels lately, but what we're really aiming to do is just do what they did. Oh, we don't need revival in America. We don't need awakening. You know, the word revival isn't even in the Bible. They didn't need the word revival in the Bible because they were living it. And here's the thing. Personally, as someone who mainly preaches at revivals, I don't even care if you don't like the word. Here's revival. It's the present day work of the Holy Spirit flowing in your life, which requires repentance, obedience, and partnership with Jesus. What's revival? It's New Testament Christianity. We, we have grown so lukewarm and we have built demon daycares called churches. You start casting out devils and people become afraid. It's in the Bible. You're not afraid of this church. You're afraid of Jesus. You... We're, we're, the religious person, it's trying to target like all oh, this leader and this college and this church. No, sir, no, ma'am. Your problem is with God. Your problem is with the cross. You have an issue with resurrection power. Point them back. So what am I saying? Folks, I free you tonight. Stop taking it personally. Stop taking it when people start manifesting and wah, 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 and they're giving you the list and all the investigation they did and all the history they pulled and all the articles. And it's amazing how much people give them to studying what's false, but yet they can't recognize what's true. Appealed to the word of God in Acts 2. They appealed to the word of God in Acts 4. And honestly, it gets crazier. Are you ready? Verse 29. They respond, they appeal to the word of God. How do we respond rightly? We appeal to the word. We stand our ground. And then we get into the place of prayer. I want to encourage you, prayer is your shield and your safe place against religious persecution. Prayer is the place where you nestle into the heart of God and you allow Jesus Christ, who's gone before us and was persecuted, you allow him to wrap his arms around you and commission you as a disciple rather than allow you to become a victim. They get into the place of prayer and then in verse 29, are you ready? Here's the, here's the prayer meeting, Todd. Lord, did you just hear what they said? Oh, oh, God, they're saying stuff about me again. Here's our prayer meeting. We go to prayer. Oh, Lord, have you seen them attacking me? 
Have you seen all those religious people? I'm a victim now, and I'm the only one. And <laughs> Lord, take note of their threats. Listen to me, listen to me. Tonight is about preparing you on how to respond rightly to religious persecution. Tonight is helping you process through the past season of religious persecution and trying to adjust us and show us our poor response to religious persecution called offense is an enemy of revival fire. They arrest them, they threaten them, stop talking about this Jesus risen from the dead. They get released, they go back to the prayer meeting and say, Lord, did you hear what they just said? Did you hear their mocking, their threats, their intimidation? Lord, if you've heard it, here's our prayer. Crank up the heat! Folks, I know I'm already sweating. When they prayed, the place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. When's the last time you got full of the Holy Spirit after someone religiously persecuted you? Because you called upon the God of heaven and earth and said, did you just hear that? Did you hear my mom? Did you hear the pastor down the road? Did you hear the guy online mocking and slandering the things of the Holy Spirit? Did you hear that guy making fun of some water baptismal revival? Remember, they already had Acts 2. The ability to just settle and say, oh man, we had tongues of fire. That was amazing. But yet they don't stop there because they had the gift of resiliency. There was an ability to bounce back. There was a grit. There was a fight. There was a recognition. This is how we respond to religious persecution. And when people start attacking and criticizing and accusing, we get into the place of prayer. We take it before the Lord and say, they ain't seen nothing yet. What do you mean, brother? Possessed with one thing, the presence of God. He brings it into his city, and his own wife is sitting there mocking him in her heart. What does he say to her? Oh, honey, I'm sorry. I was getting too Pentecostal. I was shouting a little bit too wildly. I was really getting out there. You know what he says to her? You ain't seen nothing yet. I will dance even more undignified than this. I'm telling you, God is trying to turn something inside of us that wants to become a victim of religious persecution. 
Everybody hates us. They don't like us. Wah, 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 wah. God actually wants to teach us persecution has perks. God's trying to teach you if you learn how to respond rightly to persecution, it has purpose. It has promotion. Oh, my. I hear a rat pee on a cotton ball in here. Oh, time to grow up. And a generation looking to go up, God is saying, grow up. God is not going to rapture you out of religious persecution. Stop. Oh, my. Really getting bad out there, brother. Where's there a group of people that's going to stand in the face of a religious spirit trying to choke out the Pentecostal charismatic move in America and say, you think I speak in tongues? I'm going to pray in tongues more than all of you. You think our services are long? We're going to extend them. God, did you just hear that? People start going off on me. I just say, God's hearing you. I'm not listening to you anymore. He's hearing you. And on account of you continuing to criticize and accuse, I'm telling you, I have such a work of God in me that the more you shout and yell against it, the more I'm going to shout and yell for Jesus. Okay. Here it is, though. It gets better. Verse 32. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, not claiming that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of Jesus, and mega grace was upon them all. Oh, you want more power? You want more authority? You want more revival? You've got to learn how to rightly respond to religious critics. Just shake it out. Just shake it out. Somebody, some of you need to just, just shake it out. I'm not a victim. It's like you get in these, it's like, we're all hurt by the church. Wah, wah. You're hurt. I'm church. We've all, we've all, we've all been. But where, where is someone that's responded rightly to all that? Who, who they've, they've used the persecution and said, you know what? This is promotion. This is a perk. This has purpose. And, and I, well, brother, I served a Saul. Well, maybe you served a Saul to get the Saul out of you. Oh, I didn't have a spirit. I'm, I'm just bringing it tonight. I'm sorry. I just, I don't, I don't have a spiritual dad. Oh, the church, they're a bunch of Pharisees and they're a bunch of controlling leaders. And again, we're allowing a church generation to become crippled, to become maimed, to become a, a, a babies in the faith. God is looking for a generation. You know what? I didn't have a spiritual dad, 
and this is not true about me. I've just counseled thousands of them. Maybe you didn't have a spiritual dad so that you could experience the pain and sting of that. So then one day you can actually stand in the gap and be a real spiritual father. Why do we allow not having a spiritual father to allow us to never become a spiritual father? There's no church in my area that's in revival. They're all religious. They're all dry. Start one. Like, God is, is trying to help some of us mature and grow and have resiliency. And I'm not a victim and I'm not gonna back down and I'm not an orphan and I'm, I'm done with my excuses. And every punch that comes my way, I'm gonna duck down in the place of prayer. Every threat that comes my way, I'm gonna allow God to use it for my good and his glory. All right, you're still tracking with me? It gets better. Acts 5, we're just walking through the first century church. What I'm trying to say to the 21st century church is, it's all in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Acts 5, you know what happens? Ananias and Sapphira, and yes, they're believers. No more false grace telling you they're unbelievers who didn't really know God. He struck down two believers dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit. And oh my gosh, God, how could you do it? Surely if you struck a couple people dead, it'd empty out the church. Not. What happened? Acts 5.11. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all those who heard of these things. And at the hands of the apostles, they were crying, saying, Oh God, you're too mean. Oh, I thought you were a good God. Many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, but none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their members. What happens if God's church growth model is not our church growth model? What if it's the lack of persecution in America that continues to prop up a false gospel that's being preached in churches all over this nation that's sending people to hell? The real gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of self-denial. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow him. Through many trials and tribulations, we enter the kingdom of God. I fear we preach some kind of gospel of self-accommodation where Jesus is a salt and pepper shaker that adds flavor to your life. I fear that we're preaching a gospel that says, come to Jesus and you'll never have another problem. 
And the moment problems start knocking at the door, people rejected God that they've become familiar with, yet it's not even the God of the Bible. Oh, Lord, let the God of the Bible, folks, we have a gospel pandemic in America. We're in a crisis. We're in a crisis. Take it from someone that travels all over the nation when you start talking to people about perseverance and about endurance and about enduring for the faith and standing up. They're like, I, I was wounded because I was unfriended. <laughs> we live in the most overly sensitive generation ever. You're offended, I'm offended, you're wounded, wah, wah, wah. What are we going to do when real persecution there comes? And again, and I fear this isn't even on the radar because we hardly hear the real gospel. And when tough times come, people, it's like, let's get divorced. When tough times come, let's give up. We accuse God. I want to encourage you tonight, take God off trial. He's not on trial. He's not going to say sorry. He's innocent. Oh, God, help us. God, help us. But the book of Acts has become so unfamiliar. We love to talk about the glory and the miracles, and we want to deny the persecution that comes. Lord, prepare us for the days ahead. Verse 15, to such an extent that they even carried the sick onto the cots, and Peter came by lest his shadow fall on them. And all the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick, afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were being, again, the progression, tongues of fire, healing a lame, crippled beggar. Now as they're getting deeper into the move of God, shadows are healing people. Acts 19, cloths are healing people. There's an increase of glory in revival. In Acts 2, you had a little mocking and laughing. In Acts 4, you had a resting. But guess what comes in Acts 5, verse 17? The high priest rose along with his associates, and they were filled with jealousy. I want to tell you that religious persecution is rooted in jealousy. It oftentimes manifests as fear or resentment of another's success. Speaking against a person, going on a vendetta to hurt their credibility. It's keeping them from being admired. Jealousy is actually engaging in a conspiracy to kill someone's public image. Laughing and mocking, now we're going to arrest you, 
And now as they're resilient and they just keep on in revival, it stirred up the spirit of jealousy. I want to tell you when you chase revival, you're going to stir up the spirit of jealousy that's residing in religious people. And you've got to stop. You've got to stop wondering why isn't my friends and family excited about revival? They're jealous. You know how many people, I wonder, as I drove here today, are jealous because someone else got their miracle here and you haven't got yours yet? And every time a testimony is shared, Rather than you being able to rejoice and thank God, it makes you angry and introduces you to your real issues with God. People these days, they can't even call someone and tell them about the blessing of God. The Lord's doing something. He's working. His power. I was blessed with the promise. You can't even call somebody because it's like, I'm so happy for you, brother. This root of jealousy that they stirred up, guess what happens? They laid hands on them, verse 18, and the apostles, and they put them in jail. How do they now rightly respond to this new form of religious persecution? They don't have to. An angel breaks them out of jail. Again, we're learning how to rightly respond to religious persecution we read in acts 2 and 4 we hold our ground we appeal to the word of god we take it to the place of prayer knowing that god hears their threats and then we ask him to give us more boldness and more confidence to live out the gospel. And now we find here in Acts chapter 5 that there are times where you don't even need to respond to religious persecution. Because there's an angelic army that has your back. Somebody say amen. An angel bails them out of jail, but again, resiliency. They're in prison. An angel breaks them loose so that they can go to Ephesus and go on vacation. They just got arrested for preaching the gospel. They're let out of jail by an angel, and what do they do? They go right back to preaching. Someone's attacking you. They're egging it on. They're liars. They're fakers. They're making that healing stuff up. And rather than you cowering to it, and rather than you believing the lies, and rather than you partnering with gossip and slander and being a safe place for Satan, there's something that begins to rise up on the inside of you called resiliency. And you begin to say to them, your issue is not with me, mom. Your issue, sis, is not with me. Your issue is with the word of God. Listen to me, let me help somebody. A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. Did Jesus say that? 
Well, I'm a little confused now. Because he laid hands on the apostles and commissioned them to do his works. So which is it? Do we go after signs, wonders, and miracles, or is it a wicked and adulterous sign asked for a generation? Listen to the Spirit of God. Revelation exists between two conflicting truths. Here's a wicked and adulterous generation. You know why they're wicked and adulterous? Because even if God shows them a sign, they still won't believe. You hear people make the statement, if only people saw miracles, if only I can get them to North Georgia, they'll finally believe in the things of the Spirit. And I'm trying to let some of you in love tell you, they could still come here and they'd be wicked and adulterous because the hardness of their heart is so thick, no evidence of the active work of the Holy Spirit will change them. What does that mean? That means you and I need discernment. I'm talking to mom, dad, grandpa. I hope you're not wasting your time. I hope you're discerning between, is this a person that genuinely just doesn't have faith, is innocent, and maybe if they got into the things of the Spirit, they believe, is that them? Or am I talking to someone where the spirit of religion has so hardened their heart that even if Jesus walked in front of them, they wouldn't believe? Some of you, you've been, you've been debating, and you, if they can be talked into it, they can be talked out of it. You're, you're, you're on the phone, you're trying, we're debating, we're arguing about the things of the, is it real? Come, Holy Spirit, help us to discern who's just full of jealousy. You know how many, you know how that spirit, it blocks so many people from connecting to the people and places God has assigned them to because they believed a lie. A false report about someone or something born out of jealousy that hinders people from going deeper in revival. You not only have an angel that breaks them out, They're finally beat. You have Gamaliel, Paul's teacher, who stands up and says, hey, if these guys are of God, what they're doing will come to pass. And if these guys are not of God, what they're doing won't come to pass. What, what is it? When you learn how to rightly respond to religious persecution, God will use people in unusual spaces and places to defend you. Maybe it's not you that's going to convince mom and dad of revival. Maybe it's some person, other place, other space, like Gamaliel, who if you'll just learn how to let God fight your battles, he's going to raise up someone that will fight them for you. Oh, I pray that this is helping someone.
Acts 5.40, they took his advice, Gamaliel, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them to speak no more in the name of Jesus and then release them. So all the apostles quit their jobs called ministry and found something else. They leave this meeting being bloodied and beaten. If I had time, I, you've heard me preach at other places how deeply painful it is to undergo religious persecution. These guys, first they were laughed and mocked at, then they start going after more revival, now we're gonna arrest you more revival, now we're gonna beat you, we're gonna flog you. How do they respond to the incessant accusation and persecution? They rejoiced that they had been considered worthy to bear shame for the name. How many of you have ever been hurt by religious persecution? You've lost friends, misunderstandings, disagreements, stepped out in search for revival and your religious pastor was like, you're a heretic, you're in a cult, happening all over America. There's a progression that these revivalists are walking in. They're going deeper, they're filled with resiliency. They're not allowing the persecution to push them back. It's actually firing them up. They're learning how to respond rightly in the word of God. They're learning how to let the Lord defend their reputation. They're learning how to just be flogged and beaten. And all of a sudden, this makes me wanna like run a lap in this place. I mean, they're being beaten and they're being whipped and they're being pummeled and they're being spit on. And rather than go cry on Facebook about how the church hates them and mistreats them and's done them wrong, these brothers and sisters with the gift of resiliency, let me, here's my, my best rendition. God, I can't believe you chose me. God, you picked me. God, I'm a victim and I was singled out. Again, it's a change of mindset. Wait a minute. What I once considered a bad thing, a wrong thing, I'm realizing, wait a minute, persecution has perks. Persecution has purpose. Persecution has things wrapped in it that I would have never dreamed of. I feel like we need to get t-shirts worthy to bear the shame of his name. I mean, when's the last time you saw a church 
go into high praise and worship, an extreme celebration, wild dancing. Why? The church down the road hates you. Somebody's wild. There's this one brother here. He's a wild dancer. He sweats like I do. Dude, I want, how much is on the step a meter? But I mean, imagine on Sunday, some guy is sweaty, going crazy, praising the Lord, and you're like, wow, he must have got a job. He must have got more money. He must have been blessed. Oh, actually, um, he just got fired from his job. Because he wasn't going to look at pornography with his workmates anymore. He told him it was a sin. Somebody's running laps in a church. Brother, tell me about the good thing God did for you. Oh, my family just ostracized me. They just took the grandkids from me. They just told me I'm never going to talk to you again as long as you go after that Holy Spirit stuff. And they're shouting and they're praising God because they're worthy to bear the shame of his name. Again, you got to begin to ask yourself as we close, like, what did this first century church have that the 21st century church does not have? It's called resiliency. It was a gift from God like steel in their back. It was a gift from God like a mindset that the greater the persecution, the greater indicator it is I'm in the will of God. Folks, the prosperity gospel in America has so polluted this nation that when people start going through hard times, we think they're in sin. And maybe the truth is the people who are going through hard times are actually the ones serving God. Oh, my. We're almost done. It, gets, it just keeps getting better. It, <laughs> worthy to bear the shame of the name, Acts 6. What's happening? Another move of God. They get flogged, beaten, worthy to bear the shame of the name, Acts 6, 7. And the word of God kept spreading. Imagine that. Persecution allows the gospel to keep spreading. Why is China the fastest growing church in the world? Persecution. Kept growing in Jerusalem. Many of the priests, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit and grace, was performing great signs and wonders. Men came and opposed him. Guess what? They were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. You know the story. What does he do? He appeals to the word of God. He gives maybe the greatest sermon in the book of Acts. He is being pinned down saying, you are full of it. And Stephen takes the opportunity to say, while you're mad, let me just appeal to you on the account of the word of God and let you know that you crucified Christ. Verse 51, you men who are stiff-necked 
and uncircumcised in heart, ears that are always resisting the Holy Spirit. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not crucify or kill? They've only flogged them. Are you ready? Laughed and mocked. Some of you, you started out in revival five years ago, two years ago, last week. Ha ha, that's, that's cool. North Georgia revival. Little water in the, what are they, having pools there? That, that's cool. And then you go deeper into revival and they're no longer just laughing and mocking. They're literally trying to arrest your voice. They're trying to shut you up. They're digging up lies and fabrications and they're throwing it on you and that's not enough. So and then they go to physically intimidate them and flog them. And look at this in verse 54. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and began gnashing their teeth at them. They're in full-blown demonic manifestation. Do you know, folks, tonight that some of you who really go after revival, you are literally going to provoke demons in your friends and family? You are literally, I, I'm on planes all the time. I literally open up my Bible on planes and start reading. And it is stunning how agitated and how much people start manifesting just because you're reading the word of God. Hear what I'm saying tonight. There is power in the word of God. It is alive. It is active. It is sharper than any two. What is going on at the North Georgia Revival? The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. What if I even told you this is not that radical? This is biblical. You're, you're, you're friend. What are you doing praying in tongues? Why are you fasting? You're getting a little religious. No, I'm getting more Christian. I'm actually acting saved. Folks, I'm, I'm telling you in this generation, if you just simply act born again, they will say it's radical. What was happening at Asbury? I don't want to downplay anything that happened there, but how dare a bunch of kids just decide to praise and worship God nonstop for weeks? <gasps> Whoa. And these same people go on binges playing Netflix and video games and pornography, and they're so addicted to the world, and that's okay, but yet a generation rises full of revival fire, and now they're the problem. No, you're the problem. It's the lukewarm church in America that is more of a threat than any power in the earth. Our downfall in America is going to come at the hands of a lukewarm church. A powerless, unbelieving, ineffective, victimized, woe is me, I can't believe they're doing this to me. And I'm telling you, God is releasing an antidote in this generation as he pours out historic revival. It's called the gift of resiliency. And here's maybe where it becomes most difficult. How do we rightly respond to religious persecution? 
they've got Stephen. And you know who's there? Saul. They've got him. And he's there laughing, mocking, arresting, flogging, demon manifestation. Do you know at the root of religion is the spirit of murder? Do you know at the root of all religious spirits is murder in their heart? They want you and that church and that move of God dead. This is more than people in the town talking about your church and revival. It's about a spirit of murder and gnashing of teeth that's going to come and try to attack you and arrest you and keep you from obeying God. Stephen looks up. Now he's just not being flogged. They're literally murdering him with stones. He's not a victim. He's not talking to everybody about how the church did him wrong and how religious it is. He looks up and he sees Jesus, the right hand of the Father. And he says, Father, don't hold it against him. Please forgive him. Kind of sounds like another guy I know. Murdered by the same spirit. How do we navigate the coming persecution? How do some of us process the pain of what we've been through? How do we steward real revival? May I dare say we must forgive our trespassers and those who have sinned against us. You want more revival of week 264? Have you forgiven them yet? To the point where you don't have to talk about it anymore and you don't have to keep bringing up the same story of when you were hurt in the church in 1999 or 2017, or you don't have to keep bringing up all the pastors that failed and all the churches, and you, you can just, Father, forgive them, and I'm not gonna allow the disobedience around me to produce disobedience in me anymore. I didn't think I'd get very many claps. What does it really take to get there, though, folks? I don't know who's abandoned you, who's persecuted you, who's slandered you, who's ostracized, who, whatever you've endured, what would it look like just to, Father, forgive them? And Father, I forgive them. And I'm no longer going to be a victim. I'm no longer going to let religious persecution define my walk with you. Tonight, I'm gonna make a choice to become the gardener of my heart. In partnership with the Holy Spirit, I'm just gonna look at the garden of my heart tonight and say, Lord, where have the seeds of bitterness been sown? Lord, could you remind me of the name of the guy I've been trying to 
forget about who kicked me out all those years. Lord, could you tonight help me to begin to uproot all the bitterness and all the anger and all the rage and all the hurt and all the pain. And Lord, could you just uproot and do a tremendous heart work on week 264? And Lord, I'm believing that as we do that, as these seeds are uprooted, that what you'll begin to plant deep down in the soil of our hearts is gifts of resiliency. The ability to bounce back, the ability to endure, the ability when somebody is slandering you that you count it all joy. That when they start trashing your church, saying all sorts of things about the Holy Spirit, you just begin to erupt in high worship and praise and say, God, folks, what about the martyrs? Do you know we got this wrong too? Oh, the ball! And we mourn from, for them out of our American theology. Do you realize that when someone is martyred for the gospel, they just punched their ticket to a front row in heaven because they were counted worthy to die for Christ. Why do we mourn for them as if their death was in vain? Why don't we rejoice with our brothers and sisters and say, Lord, if they're willing to be beheaded for the sake of the gospel, would you just give me a little resiliency this week at work and at home so that when mom and dad and bro and sis start to chatter, I don't so easily bow because I've been counted worthy to bear shame for the name. We only did eight chapters. You can read the rest. It's literally a continuous cycle, a mighty move of God, religious persecution, a mighty move of God, religious persecution, more revival, more persecution. It's given us a blueprint, a map, how to respond rightly to it. So that by stewarding the persecution, we can inherit more revival. I felt tonight the Lord tell me, there are people here sick in your body and afflicted because you refuse to forgive. The water will not heal you, repentance will. I'm telling you, I believe with all the conviction in my heart that there are people sick in their body in this room because you responded wrongly to religious persecution. And it is the bitterness and the anger and the rage and the resentment that opened up the door to the devil. 
May the Holy Spirit lead us now in a time of prayer. It's gonna pray a revival prayer. It's the only one I know. Search me and know me, oh God. Would you bow your heads with me? I believe people in this room, you're gonna be instantly healed. Just by choosing to forgive those in the church who hurt you, who accused you, who slandered you, who spoke all kinds of evil against you. Holy Spirit, would you search us and know us tonight? Would you uproot bitterness and anger and jealousy from our hearts? I even feel like the Lord is speaking to someone. Stop pursuing more, trying to prove them wrong. I'll show them. Stop. Just forgive and go deeper still. We release mom and dad. We release grandma and grandpa. We release our spouses. We release our family. We release people online we don't even know who have nothing better to do than to accuse and criticize. Lord, I pray that you would uproot every false accusation and every lie we've believed about someone or some place. Every spirit of offense has to go in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would turn hard hearts into soft hearts. There are people in here you've taken up an offense for someone. Some of you, it wasn't you who were hurt by the church, it was your parents. And you've allowed that generational curse into your bloodline. And right now in Jesus' name, we're renouncing it and breaking its power. I don't know if there's someone here, your father was a pastor and you're running from the call of God because of what you saw the church do to your father. And you're fighting with everything in you to hold on to the pain. God, I thank you in Jesus' name that you're freeing sons and daughters whose parents were hurt by religion and the church. You're granting them the gift of forgiveness and resiliency. know that God is setting you free today, I want you to stand.
Do you recognize the work of the Holy Spirit in bringing freedom to your life, helping you to rightly respond to the criticism and accusation? I want you to stand. make a strong statement what if the fact that you've never been persecuted for the gospel means you're not actually believing the real one somebody standing will you just lift up your hand in their direction father every heart every life every mind, every heart that's hurting. God, I command the spirit of rejection to leave this room. You can be rejected and not operate in the spirit of rejection. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I drive out a spirit of rejection that's crippling marriages and relationships. Lord, I pray deliverance from a victim orphan mentality in this generation. Lord, we declare that not everybody's talking about us. Lord, I command paranoia to leave your mind. I command mental illness to leave every mind and every heart in this room. Thank you, Lord. Heal us on week 264. Give us the gift of resiliency. What if we haven't seen anything yet? What if we haven't seen anything yet? If you attend this church, I believe the Lord is saying that you're about to witness another in gathering. I believe by the Spirit of God as I drove here today that there is a remnant of people who have dove all in and they're pursuing the spirit of revival, but yet there are others on the outskirts. There are others outside the gate who have been wounded and hurt by some things that have happened here. And I believe that the Spirit of God is going to orchestrate divine reconciliation and restoration. That you're going to see another in-gathering of an all-in remnant people who have the DNA, who walk in a spirit of humility and not pride. And I even felt the Spirit of the Lord say over here, that the enemy has sought to sow offense into the foundation of this revival. The enemy has sought to even bring the counterfeit to get you to turn away from the real and the authentic. And I just declare over this move of God today that the work of the Holy Spirit is sealed by the blood of Jesus. And every witch and every warlock, every religious person that comes in here whose heart is wicked and perverse, 
for they are not here to believe, they are here to criticize. Let their words strengthen and embolden you that there is more. I pray today with all my faith that every arrow and every dart and every word that was intended to take you out would only make you stronger. And I pray that all resistance that you run into would be turned into a gift called resiliency and that you would stand and that you would do everything to stand and that you would put on the full armor of God. Why did you ever take it off? For surely the Lord is saying in this hour that I am raising up an end time army that will not turn back on the day of battle. For I have been preparing them in the wilderness. I have been preparing them in uncommon spaces and places. And surely they're going to emerge in this hour and they will not back down. They will not back down to the media. They will not back down to political figures. For even as I raised up Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego in the days of Babylon, the Lord is saying, I'm going to raise up a fiery company in this nation who will not bow their knees to Baal. Because rather than being distracted by the religious critics around them, their gaze is on the fourth man burning in the fire with them. For the Lord would say, have I not gone before you? Have you not gazed into the scars in my side, the scars in my hands and in my ankles? Have I not bore your iniquities, your shame and all your pain? Have I not offered you the gift of forgiveness, not only for your life, but will you learn how to forgive others? Holy Spirit, help us. Let unforgiveness die in these waters tonight. Let sickness and disease die in these waters tonight. Would you raise up a refreshed, a refreshed, a resilient, not continuing to push forward to prove critics wrong, but simply to go deeper in revival because Jesus is worthy. We're gonna open up the altars tonight. Wanna welcome letter A. I think I've done this a few times, I think. There's some of you that need help, a little bit more ministry. I wanna invite the prayer team to come with us and pray, but folks, some of you are, you're sensing a, a deeper work has to happen in your heart. I want you to come down to the altar. If you're signed up to be baptized and you're in letter A, we want you to come down here to the front as well, but I wanna encourage you, don't leave this place asking God for the gift of resiliency. 
Don't leave this place asking him for grace to forgive those who have sinned against you. Letter A, come. If you're here and you want prayer, would you come down to the front as well? We have designated individuals that have the prayer lanyards. We want you to come and allow them to pray for you here in just a moment. But if you have letter A, you're coming up these steps. We're going to be taking care of all of these that are here. Letter B will shortly be on the screen behind me. When you see letter B, if you'll come up the same set of stairs, Alec in the back will receive you. Our team will minister to you, prepare you for the immersions tonight. I want us all to stand right now, if you would, across this room. There is a holy reverence in this place. There is a, a time to respond to the word that was given to us tonight. How many of you know that we have heard from the heart of God tonight? Come on. We have heard from the heart of God tonight. This is our most triumphant moment. If you're not registered to be baptized tonight, you are thinking, I'm not so sure, but the Lord struck something in your heart. I want to make sure that you have the opportunity to go register to be immersed tonight. You've come too far. Your freedom. When the Lord touched that area, he said, that's the key. That's the doorway to your freedom. Go right out into the lobby and register. We have four immersion tanks that we're going to be ministering in tonight. So it's, it's not going to be like it was a few months ago where you would wait to 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock. We keep adding pools because the Lord keeps adding people. There'll be a time there's six of them. Because America's coming, not to Christ's fellowship, but they're coming to where he is. And he just so happens to be blessing in those waters. Father, we love you as our worship team prepares to lead us in worship. If you need prayer, we're going to be available here to pray all night for people as long as we need to. I bless what the Lord is doing, Father. I thank you for what you're doing in this house. I thank you for what you're, you're accomplishing in the name of Jesus, we love you, we bless you, we glorify you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for how you're going to meet people in the water tonight, how you're going to baptize them with Holy Spirit and fire tonight. In Jesus' name, let's put our hands together. Come on, let's glorify the Lord for what he's done in this place tonight. Come on, let's glorify him. Let's worship the Lord right now. Come on, worship the Lord. 